Hey everybody, welcome to Drive Through Review 446. Today we're going to take a look at Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game. Now this is a new game from Fancy Flight, plays one to four players, and it's a co-op game. You're going to take one or more adventures down into the depths and go through sort of a dungeon crawl type of idea. It's sort of loosely based on the Warhammer Quest board game, which came out a while ago, I think in the early 90s. Uh, so you're taking a party down, you're killing monsters, getting loot, and sort of progressing along these various quest lines that you can do. Let's jump into how the game actually plays, and then I'll talk about what I think of it. So Warhammer Quest, of course, comes with the now standard learn to play guide and the rules reference uh, from Fancy Flight. I will say there was a couple of questions I had about certain you know, pretty important things in the rules. They are there, they just weren't very clear. Uh, if they're not clear to you as well, or from the video, I'll, I'll try to make it clear here as well. Uh, but definitely go to BoardGameGeek and check out the rules form. The designers have been pretty good about answering any uh, clarifications that need to come. So here is all the stuff you get in the game, which doesn't look like a lot, which is a little spoiler alert with the review. Amazing they're able to do what they're able to do with this amount of components. Now. I've only got one character set up here, the Bright Wizard. Normally you have at least two characters, even if you're playing by yourself. And you can see here, the Bright Wizard has a certain number of hit points. And there's a little thing on the card here that tells you how you will activate the heroes based on the player count. So this guy has more uh, hit points than if she would if she had you know a three or four player game. And the hero activates twice during the hero phase, which is the case for all heroes in the two player game. And then each player has uh, four cards. So if you've got an attack card, in this case a fireball, and then you've also got an aid card. This is how you aid uh, specifically other characters besides this character. And then you have a rest. This is how you sort of heal up and rest a little bit. Each character has one of those. And then you have an explore. And this is why you're going to be sort of driving the quest along, exploring different locations and things. Now, there are a bunch of quests here. There are five sort of quests in the campaign. And so you can see an easy alliance quest one, two, three, four. And so you can play through these and there's sort of like a little story there, or you can also play the Delve Quest. This is my favorite way to play. Uh, this is sort of like mashing together all of these, but you can see how this might be uh, expanded and reused, and you know we could get new quests and new campaigns. But this sort of let, sort of like a long, longer game and a little bit more epic in one sitting. But if you want to sort of break it up, then you can do this, and there's a little bit more story if you play it that way. Now each of these has a little setup on the back. They'll tell you which enemies to put in the deck. Uh, sometimes you'll have specific enemies and then it'll tell you open standard or open elite. And each enemy has like a tier. So this one will all be tier one because you can see this is sort of a tier one quest. And then you have some locations you'll pull from. You'll also pull a specific location. And then you set up the item and dungeon deck, some events and items that you can find. And then you have the reward if you succeed and the penalty if you fail. And then you can just keep going even if you fail, which is what I do all the time. <laughs> and then there's a little track here, and this is going to trigger different events. Uh, you have a marker here somewhere. And you're going to use this guy here to track and move along round by round. When it hits the green area, for example, you will spawn Odious Grump. And then so on, you'll spawn him again and again. And they'll be different, of course, for each quest. And if you get to here, you're probably going to lose anyway. Uh, and then it has the victory and stuff there. Now, the players are going to give out this start player marker to somebody. And then it's going to rotate around the board. And there will be effects and things that trigger off who the start player is. They kind of get beat up more than the other players. So it is good that it moves around. 
And so let's go through how a turn actually works. So the first thing you're gonna do is pull a location to start the game. And like I said, here you can see these are quest locations. So you'll pull these out and then you will pull in, you know, for example, Grump's Swamp, uh, specifically for the first quest. And then there's tiered locations. So I might tell you to do specific locations, but usually you'll pull from a tier matching the quest. And then we'll just sort of pull off the top here. And I should say the Delve quest that I showed you has just you mixing tiers together, so to speak. Uh, so this will come out, and this is gonna tell you how many enemies to spawn, and then how many to spawn in the shadows. The enemies from this number will go in front of each hero, and then the rest will go in the shadows. And this is the number of location points you need to sort of generate or explore with uh, to actually complete this location and then move on to the next location. There'll be a certain number of locations to go through and then you want to get to the end location and sort of defeat the boss and that kind of thing. So we'll put this out and then you're going to pull enemies from this deck here. And there's also tier one enemies, tier two, tier three, and there's also quest enemies. I already put this guy out here. He's These are called the nemesis enemies. And so they look just like other enemies, but they each have this little nemesis effect, which is horrible. Uh, you've got the amount of damage they do, the amount of hit points. Then they have this resilience number. So every time you do damage to them, you need to do above that number, which is a pain. And then when they activate on their own turn, you'll have these little uh, boxes here. So like this guy will do an inflict and then he'll do a prey. And inflict just means you just do that much damage. Like this guy will retreat, kind of go away from a hero that he's engaged with, he'll retreat, then he'll inflict twice, so he'll do that you know, one damage twice and so on. There's all a variety of effects. So let's just randomly put out these three here. And so we'll have these three that would be dealt out. And now these would be distributed amongst the heroes at the table. And there's only one now, which kind of stinks, but you'll have one face down in the shadows. Okay, so let's for fun just take this guy out of the the mix. And so let's say this hero got two in front of them because of the start player, because it's going to go around the table. So now we're at the location, we're ready to start our first turn, and then we get to do activation. Well, remember in a two-player game, the hero activates twice, uh, but normally they activate once. And what you do is you just kind of tap your action that you want to do. So if I want to do an attack, I'll do that. Then the next player will do their action. Maybe they want to do an aid or a rest or explore. Uh, so typically what happens is the attacks, we'll start with that, you typically can engage an enemy. So right now I'm considered engaged with these two, but if I wanted to engage with somebody in the shadows or engage with somebody else, like say this character was here over fighting another hero, I can engage and pull them over and then be able to fight them. Now in the case of the Bright Wizard, that's not necessary, first of all, because she's already got two engaged with her, which is plenty, uh, but she can also do a ranged attack. And so since it's ranged, she doesn't have to target enemies in front of her. She can target enemies in the shadow. If you target it, then you'll flip it up at the point of attack, or you can target people in front of other characters. Now the attack is always gonna allow you to roll a certain number of dice, but whenever you do any of these actions, you also have to roll these enemy dice for each enemy that's in front of you. Now, most you can have three enemies in front of you, so there's only three enemy dice. If you ever have to add an enemy in front of you above the three, then you just take damage equal to their attack and then they sit in the shadows. Uh, so you gotta keep these clear in front of you. And so you roll, so we'll roll these two dice here, see what we get. And so here is not too bad. So we can see, first thing, no matter what action you're doing, these little axes here, or I should say they're Warhammers, uh, count as successes. So in this case we have two, 
three successes. Now sometimes you're going to get these little um, aid tokens on you and you can actually put these onto a specific action. So maybe another player did aid with me and then so I had these on here. So before I roll the dice I can spend these and these add like immediate successes, guaranteed successes. So let's say I did that. So I have one, two, three, four, five successes. If I was attacking, I can apply the damage. So here we have these two characters here. Since I've got five successes, one, two, three, four, and the rest could go away. Um, that's if I could target. Usually you can only target one creature, but in the case of the Bright Wizard, you can see here, before this action, you may suffer a wound to target one additional enemy. So you could say, oh, let's say I did that. So I'll put a wound on me. That's what Bright Wizards do, right? They burn themselves to burn others. And so I could kill those off. Now let's say I didn't kill, let's say I only killed one off. I didn't get that many successes. Because I rolled this little claw mark here, that means for every claw mark I rolled, uh, and I have to have the enemy in front of me as well, so this one would be ignored, and then we'd have this claw, so this guy would activate, and he would do this much damage to me. But I also rolled a shield. And each shield you roll, sometimes you can roll just a shield, uh, will block you know, one damage. So if I, this was perfect because even though I activated this guy to do a damage for me, I rolled that shield on the other die, which blocked it, so no big deal. Now sometimes that can be a huge deal. Uh, one cool creature that I like is these orcs here, which are kind of neat. When it comes time to activate the, um, the enemies on their turn, this guy doesn't do anything except advance and go to whoever's turn it is to activate an enemy. And he doesn't even try to hit you during his turn. But when you're trying to do stuff, you're trying to activate, and you're rolling these enemy dice, then he's going to trigger his little thing. So they're really annoying to have in front of you, but they don't really do anything on their turn. They're still annoying. Uh, so that's basically how the attack works. And if you do aid, again, this is you target another player in the number of successes you get on these dice. So in this case, let's say I saw this guy in front of me. I roll these two dice. That's going to trigger him. That's okay because I rolled two shields. And I got one success, so I would give that to Billy. And he would put it on one of their cards. And again, you can normally only have two successes per action that you can trigger. So aid's cool because you can, you can sort of help somebody... For example, maybe explore, which is this action here, and you want to get a lot of explore tokens on the location to move through it, then you can say, okay, I'm kind of clear of enemies, you know, I've got this little spider archer, no big deal, I can take a damage from him, not a big deal. I can spend my time aiding you, which is really cool. So that's all aid is, is you give them, sort of, you buff them. Now rest is very simple. You will roll a die. And a lot of times these will have different abilities. So each person doesn't have the same rest. For example, the warrior priest aid also does a heal, which is really cool. So they are very different that way. Now here's Smoldering Wrath is my particular rest. You may exhaust one non-nemesis engaged with you. So if this guy was exhausted, so I'm going to exhaust that. Then for each, if these guys are exhausted, you actually don't roll the enemy die. So that's nice. So you do that and then you roll two dice for rest. Again, I don't roll this because he's exhausted. And then I'm going to heal myself, in this case, uh, three hit points. So that's very cool. And then, you know, like I said, everybody has a different rest ability. And then explore is how you get tokens here. And always with explore, you're going to roll a die or more. And then for each success, you'll put these little tokens on there. So one, you know, and get up here. So once you get up to six, once we go into the location phase, then we'll be able to travel to the next location. But these are also going to allow you to draw and resolve a dungeon card every time you explore, which is cool. Because you have these stack of cards and you'll sort of make these up based on the quest. And these are going to be a variety of different events and things. Sometimes they're bad, 
Sometimes they're good. It seems to be pretty even. If they have this little icon here, then you'll be able to draw from the item deck here. And this is also made up differently based on the different quests and things. And you get to take an item. Now everybody normally has an item limit of one. So you can discard you know, one down. And then when you go to get an item instead, you can actually draw from the discard pile, which is neat because it's kind of like the item still in the party loot. It's just, you know, you don't have it equipped right now. So next time you do that, you can get that. And then sometimes, I put some in here, here we go. The, uh, you'll shuffle these in, and these will allow you to draw a random quest item. It's not the quest item, just a regular item that is specific for your character. So you can see these are three warrior priests, and these are like, so your epic or your legendary items. Here's some bright wizard items and stuff. So these allow you to do a lot of cool stuff. So that's Explore. Now, one thing to note about Explore is you can see in the case of the Bright Wizard, it has this little reset ability. So each character has a different one, but that means, so let's say I did an attack, I did this, then I did this one, that means I'm going to reset or untap all of these cards like that. So it's kind of cool how you have to sort of time and do those different things and sort of set yourself up for the next round. Now after each player's taken their actions, either two times or one, depending on the number of players, you go through and activate uh, characters or creatures. So if this guy was tapped already, you wouldn't activate him. He's already tapped. But you would do all the stuff. So he would retreat, like I said, and then he would do inflict, inflict, because I was the guy activating him, so I would do two damage. Then he would be in the shadows. Then the next player would activate a creature in front of them that wasn't already tapped. Actually, you exhaust or tap that one after you do it. And then once you get around that and there's nobody left in front of you, then you have to start going to the shadows here, flipping this guy up. And so with this guy, we'll flip it up. He will inflict damage. And then he's got a special ability of prey, which says this enemy gauges the hero with the most. So he might attack you and then go to somebody else if they have more hit points. And there's a variety of special abilities and stuff on the different creatures. Uh, and then you're going to go to location phase. And if you've fully explored it, then you can travel. Uh, some of these have different, well, all of them, I should say, have special abilities. It says before the party travels from this location, all enemies activate and then ready. So they get to do it again, which is great. It's not. The location effects are usually bad and horrible and you hate them. And there's one that's like a maze, which drives me crazy. I just want to take it out of the deck. But that's how it is. It's supposed to be hard. The game is very hard. Uh, then you do the location phase there. And then you will then do the peril phase, which then moves this thing to the next spot. And like I said, sometimes it activates different things. And then you pass the start player, and then you go again. And you basically go until all the characters are defeated, or you get the victory condition, explore the final location in the location deck. I should show you that there are advanced uh, action cards for each of the basic action cards. So you can see my fireball. Oh, that's nice. Engage an enemy, range attacked. I can you do uh, one hit point of wound to attack more, but this one is, okay, engage an enemy, roll three dice, and then before this action, you may target up to two enemies, and you may suffer up to two wounds to target one additional enemy for each wound suffered. So I can actually hit like four, so it's like a big blast of a storm. So all of these improve. Now, how do you improve your character? Well, if we take a look here at the quest log, you can mark whether you win or lose a quest. You can have a settlement phase, and then you can also keep track of gear. Now, a couple things you can do. You can, you can acquire advanced actions sort of in between quests. You can do two of these things. So I could get like two advanced actions or increase my gear capacity. So these gear cards that I get, 
I can only have one at the beginning, then I can have two. The other thing to mention is the, um, the, the Delve Quest, actually, as you proceed through the different tiers, you can do all this stuff here. So you can, you can get uh, you know, more gear, you can increase your capacity. In the case of the Delve, you can get some of the legendary items. You can also draw cards randomly from the gear deck and choose one of those. So as you progress, you can get, so even if you lose, you're still gonna progress and get better. And I've never won the first quest, which is funny. I've won the second one and then also the, the Delve quest. Uh, but the the first one, I don't know what it is. I've gotten really close, like twice, and still haven't won. But uh, So get used to just moving on after you lose. Now that's pretty much the game. The only kind of unclear things for me was the whole engage thing. Uh, and that was, it's stupid because it says right here on the card, you may engage one enemy. It just was some for some reason unclear to me that you can actually kind of pull enemies over to you uh, with that engage thing. Uh, the other thing is sometimes the location effects can be interesting in terms of like the order of operations and when certain things happen. But if you use common sense, then it kind of makes sense. So just a couple of sort of sort of not clear stuff in that regard, but mostly pretty clear. Okay, so that is Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game. Uh, what do I think of it? I really, really enjoy this game quite a bit. Have a lot of fun with it over the last week or so. Um, I gotta say my favorite way to play the game, I said it in the walkthrough, is the Delve quest. It's just, you kind of set up an epically long quest. If you can get to a certain location at different points during the quest, you kind of have like a mini reset. You can heal up a little bit. You kind of catch your breath, get some new items, get a legendary item, then you kind of keep going. Uh, a lot of the games have been down to the wire. There've been a couple of games that got kind of smoked, um, but it is difficult. It's very, very, very hard. Uh, there is some swinginess, of course, with the dice and all that kind of business, but it really, to me, elicits the Warhammer Quest <laughs> brutality <laughs> and the and the universe itself. And it has a sort of a, that nice feel of it, where you know you just kind of keep going. You might get your butt kicked a little bit, but you're advancing your character. You're moving the plot along. Uh, you know, win or lose, you're still kind of driving things forward. Now, obviously, it kind of reminds me of Pathfinder Adventure Card Game as well as Lord of the Rings, uh, the Living Card Game. Um, probably like this mechanically more than those. I don't know. It's kind of it's tight. I do enjoy the others. I haven't reviewed the Lord of the Rings game, but uh, I do enjoy that one as well. I still got it. Um, it's probably more indicative of that in some ways than the Pathfinder Adventure card game in terms of the game mechanics. Um, the interesting thing about this is it's got that very sort of, I don't, I don't know how else to say this, it's got the very co-op-y feel where you're trying to really do your action management and really plan and try to be as efficient as you can in terms of like what you do. It's like, okay, well at this point, you know, I'm okay. Should I try to aid this other person? You know, I can give the bright wizard a lot of aid and she's going to just blast the heck out of a lot of creatures and kind of get them off our back. Uh, Cause your hit points are kind of like a timer. You know, you can kind of, you can kind of just get through stuff and get items and keep monsters off you, but you're just going to kind of take damage over time. And there's going to be a certain point where you kind of have to decide between sort of resting a little bit versus exploring the location, getting, you know, killing this creature. That's just like hindering you. There's one of these, I think it's a Skaven or something. It like darts in and out and like infects you with diseases and all kinds of stuff. Uh, there's some like effects cards. If you've played Imperial Assault, you've got these little, little mini cards that, you know, change your stats for a little while and, you know, reduce the amount of success that you can have. Uh, but there's also an empowered card, which is really well, uh, really cool. 
Um, so you kind of it's got that sort of efficiency kind of thing where you're trying to, you know, worm your way through this sort of pseudo puzzle of a co-op. Now it's not puzzly at all. It's you know because it's got enough dice and random card flips uh, that it's not puzzly. But kind of it kind of scratches that itch a little bit. Uh, it is interesting to play with some of the different characters because you can kind of set up combos. Now, my personal favorite in the terms of like a two-character combo is the uh, the Warrior Priest and the Bright Wizard because the Warrior Priest was kind of got some built-in healing with their aid, and they can also do the Empower, which I talked about, and give the Bright Wizard a whole bunch of aid to like do extra exploration or you know do lots of damage, hopefully. So that's a pretty good combo to have. Uh, the other characters I'm like less fond of, but then once you add, you know, three and four player game, then you kind of got them all in play anyway. Uh, but yeah, I think if you're looking for kind of a nice, uh, good solitaire game, I should say that, but also a nice kind of quicker, lighter co-op. It's not like a filler, because it can take you, I don't know, 45 minutes or so to play a game, depending on how it's going and stuff, and how much how many players you have, and how much thought you kind of put into what you're doing. But it also reminds me of another game that I enjoy, um, that I haven't played since before I started doing video reviews, and that is Space Hulk a Death Angel. And I don't know if they still publish that game. I think they do, but I'm not sure. That was basically a solitaire game. I never played that with other players. But it was like a little sort of weird location dungeon crawl thing with Space Hulk universe. It was super hard. And this one really reminds me of that kind of vibe. It's very, very difficult to get through a different each of the different kind of scenarios. It has a campaign mode built in, which is, I don't know. To me, that's like my least favorite part of the game. And it's not that... I dislike it, it just doesn't like do anything to make me want to really play through it. Like, I think it's just because I've lost so much, but I like the Delve Quest because I can just set that up, but I can go through and just set up like Quest 4 and then just figure out from the rewards what kind of stuff I would have if I'd won or the amount of times I'd have been to town, basically, is the thing. Uh, I can play it as if I've lost them all so I don't give myself too much of an advantage or I could just set it up so that I won. And you, got, you, know, you take the rewards from the other, each of the quests, but then you just upgrade a certain amount of your abilities and give yourself some gear and you're set to play the quest. There's no reason you can't do that and that's actually how I prefer to play the game. Playing through a campaign is just like, ugh, because <laughs> I just like lose three times in a row. I mean, I think it's entirely possible to play through all five and just lose all five. That's, that's probably likely the difficulty of the game. Um, and that, that doesn't feel right to me. That's not something I want to do. I like to just set it up and play and lose and try it again, and then I'll win next time, hopefully. Um, but I really like it. It's a good system. All of the abilities and stuff, they did a great job with that. You know, the different items and everything works really cool. It feels very thematic and very, you know, makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I would recommend this game. It's a nice filler co-op. And the thing I like about it most, and this is going to probably sound weird, at the end of the day, it makes me not really care if Warhammer Quest ever gets printed. <laughs> because it gives me the vibe of it. It gives me that sort of... Um, that tactical kind of action feel of Warhammer Quest. And like just the whole thing of like, okay, if there's a certain number of creatures in front of me, I'll roll my white dice and then I'll roll the enemy dice. And then they're gonna get little hits on me while I'm trying to cast heal, you know, on the other character, or I'm trying to explore, you know, go over here to this location and they get some hits on me. So it's very, it gets that sort of claustrophobic feel of it, uh, just by the cards and just that kind of the creatures reacting to you. And then they get that whole turn, you know, it's got the whole like counter strike thing. Um, 
it works really well. And there's just, there's a lot of items in the item deck. There's a lot of events and things. You can get dumb little cave-ins and all that kind of stuff that just kind of randomly happens. And it's just, it kind of jives in that Warhammer. You know, if you've played Warhammer Quest, I think you kind of get the vibe that I'm talking about. So to me, that's why I really like the game because it kind of elicits that hardcore dungeon crawl vibe, uh, you know, in the card game, which Lord of the Rings and Pathfinder don't really do. They, they don't really try to do it, but to me, they really have sort of elicited that feel. And I think that's why I'm kind of like more in favor of this because it really just strikes me all of that kind of that gritty tacticalness that happens. Okay, check it out. Thanks. Thanks.